Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my new friend, Clement Young, on the line with us today. Clement, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me, John. I appreciate it. Uh, so excited to have you on today. Um, how about you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. My name is Clement Young. I am a Brit uh, originally traveling the world. I've been traveling the world for about a decade now doing like kind of nomad lifestyle. That's um, awesome. Run a digital marketing agency. And on the side, which is quickly becoming my major thing, I do a podcast on interpersonal relationships and mental health. Love that. Um, that was originally why I scheduled this conversation with you because I'm super interested in the podcast. But I think first things first, talk to me about this incredible nomadic lifestyle you're leading for a decade plus because i think at 10 years that puts you at the forefront of the of the nomad lifestyle so how did that kind of come to be hmm yeah well it's uh it's been interesting i i grew up in the uk uh and uh i lived there pretty much until i was about 16 mm-hmm and then when I was 16, I started traveling to Spain back and forth. And I lived in Spain for about six years. So I started to get like kind of used to this uh, lifestyle, living in another country and experiencing new cultures. And that lasted for about six years. Um, and then I went to university in the UK again. And I got, uh, I guess I got bored of just staying in the UK for most of my life. And I went traveling around Asia. I was in a relationship at the time with uh, a lovely woman from the Philippines, and uh, we were in our fifth year, more or less, of our relationship. And things were kind of starting to become a little, we lost the passion, mm -hmm. you know, we, we started to try to find things to reignite the passion. And we had this idea of traveling around the world. It was something that we wanted to do for a long time but we just had put it off. And I think many people do that. They, they want to experience new things, but they don't because of fear of whatever, the unknown, or maybe they trick themselves into thinking, oh my God, I've got all these responsibilities. And I understand that. Like, as someone who talks to people all the time about their life, about their relationships, if you're a parent, right, there's, there's things you need to take care of, right? That maybe people who don't have kids don't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. So with that, you know, being someone who's not a father, um, I didn't have that problem. And we just went traveling. We went to the, uh, where did we go? We went to India first, um, which was crazy uh, because it was such a different experience from what I'm used to. Like growing up in the UK was a kind of a, a very how would you say this? It was, it was a clean experience. There mm -hmm. was no natural disasters. You know, we have a, a national health system. You, you're pretty much supported by the government where I come from. Mm -hmm. So when we went to India, it was like a shock to the system. I'd never really been anywhere like that. Um, and, it, and I got hooked. I was like, wow, the world is such a crazy, interesting place. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much to see, obviously. So after a few months there... Uh, we went to Singapore and we eventually we ended up in the Philippines and the Philippines is where this lady was from. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, the relationship was kind of rocky and, uh, we had tried everything we could think of to fix it. 
and I eventually had to make the decision, you know, am I going to continue to do this and bang our heads against the wall or am I going to just like kind of break it up and, and get on with our lives? And I chose to break it up and get on with our lives. So I stayed in the Philippines and I went around Asia for about eight years at that point. Wow. And it was really eye-opening, man. It was just, it was fantastic. My entire life has been something I, I will never regret having made the choices that I did. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad when I hear people say that. That's like a mindset that I've only really uncovered in the last, say, 12 to 24 months, like truly living without the consequences of what I think are like taking important risks in my life. And uh, I'm so, so glad to hear you say that. Um, so fast forward the end of the relationship to now, kind of what brought upon the start of the podcast and like kind of your desire to have these conversations about relationships and love and, and all of that. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm always like just to touch on that point you made, like I'm always trying to help people understand that whatever we think is uh, the limits of what our life has to offer, uh, it's really a construct of your experience and oh, the, yeah. the things that you've heard and, and, you know, seen and the things people have told you, especially parents and peers and it kind of forms this structure where you kind of say, okay, this is possible, this isn't possible. But, you know, the funny thing is, as soon as you learn something that breaks that paradigm, that breaks that uh, understanding of how the world works, you're like, oh, my God, all of these options were always available to me. I just didn't know it. Yeah, um, So I was trying to help with that, that kind of thing. But um, with the Relationships Podcast, like I said, I was, I've been doing marketing my entire life, uh, my entire adult life. Um, and it's something that I'm good at, but I'm not, you know, I would say I'm not passionate about it in the same way that I'm passionate about this relationships podcast. It was something that happened during COVID. Um, I, I, I woke up one day and I, I thought to myself, you know, uh, I haven't, I can't remember the last time that I actually felt excited to get out of bed. And it made me wonder, you know, what am I going to change in my life if I don't want to continue to feel this way? And I, uh, and I, and I, 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 I spent some time um, trying to figure out, well, what are the things that I can help people with? What are the things that I'm good at? And I have had in my, you know, in my existence, I've had 18 years of relationships all together. And I felt that that was a really good starting point to kind of say, okay, I've got some credibility mm -hmm. in this. I've got some lessons that I've learned. And those 18 years of relationships include, obviously, that five-year one that I had with the, the lady from the Philippines. And I also uh, was in others along the way after that and before. So altogether, um, the lessons that I learned, I wanted to share. So initially, it started out that way. It started out like, okay, how am I going to distill my experiences into something that other people might benefit from? But what I realized was I don't function well if it's just me on the podcast like you for example um i want to i want to invite guests and have them on and speak to them and learn something new like i don't want to just be a voice box for oh, my like experience mm -hmm. you know um and and i and i realized that early on so so i, I started to invite friends and family first which was a great way to start any podcast i think you know because you don't you don't have a thing at the moment. You want to test stuff out. And, um, and then as time went on, 
I got comfortable and I was like, right, I'm going to reach out to authors. I'm going to reach out to experts. And I started to get people on that had written books. Um, I got some Joe Rogan experience podcast guests on. I got um, authors of uh, books that, you know, you know, were number one Netflix shows around the world. And it was such a, it's been such an amazing experience, you know, and, I, and, and again, coming back to the whole, well, what's my potential in life? What am I capable of? Look, I had no idea I was going to be doing this kind of thing. I had no idea I was going to be able to attract people that in my opinion, a year before I would have been like, nah, they'll never come on my podcast, oh, yeah. but it works. It really does. You just got to keep reaching out. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I recently said to one of my friends this weekend, we were having a beer and I was like, it's amazing how much like my positive mental outlook on the things that I'm doing have reinforced positively the things that I'm doing. Right. So I would have never imagined that you and I'd be having this conversation a year and a half ago. I would never have imagined I would have done anything that I've done over the last year and a half. And it's funny how COVID kind of acted as this catalyst for a lot of people to make, you know, meaningful and purposeful change in their lives. And I'm like forever grateful for that. And, you know, a a little background on me, I I used to write a lot of relationship advice stuff for like Elite Daily, Thought Catalog. That was like my shtick in my like mid 20s. I was like always writing about relationships and stuff. And I'm curious if you run into this at all. I did feel at times like, who am I to be someone who's instilling this advice? Because it is very much, in my case at least, do as I say and certainly not as I do. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how, like, because I am 35 and single, I don't know what your current relationship status is, but I used to get a lot of flack for, oh, like, what the fuck are you giving me this advice for? You're single. And it's like, well, I've had a lot more experience than someone who's been in one relationship for seven years. So kind of talk to me about how, like, you kind of, you know, deal with that sort of, you know, dynamic. Okay, this is a really good question. Um, It's funny. I recall many times when I've gone to, let's say, the the GP to have a checkup or talk to them about something to do with my health, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're sitting there. They're overweight. They don't look like they work (laughs) out. They're whatever, right? Yeah. And, and And you're like thinking to yourself... I don't know if this makes sense. Like things don't really add up, but that's just the, but you know, they have good advice because they've learned it all. They've really learned it all. Now that's probably a bad analogy because it's not, I, I, I've, I've thought that exact same thing. I went to a heart doctor a few years ago and he was so fat and I was like, wait, this does not make any sense. I was like, how could you possibly be telling me when I work out every day, I might not look like I do, but I do. And like this, I've literally thought that same exact thing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And, 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 well, okay, fine. That's, that's, that's good then. And I think that the reason why I said it's probably a bad analogy is because I, I actually don't think you need to be in a relationship to be able to give people relationship advice. See that I, agree I think it makes a difference. Like, I think it does make it like, so for example, if you're telling people how to live, uh, in a, in a happy marriage and you're not married and you've never been married, that's probably not something you can safely kind of communicate. Mm-hmm. But if you choose to be single um, because you simply haven't met the right person at, at that point in your life, but you still want to tell people, you know, okay, these are the experiences I've had and this is what seems to be working well in relationships, then I think that's totally fine. So mm-hmm. I try not to go outside of my, 
you know, area of uh, experience. Mm -hmm. And if I do, I want to make sure that there's someone there on the other end of the line who's like living it or has lived it and can help with that, uh, that, that content, because I don't want to be the one who's saying it. Um, so I try to be as authentic as possible. In, in fact, I would go as far as to say what really works for me is to just be genuine, 100% genuine, even if it hurts, mm -hmm. even if it hurts me, even if it hurts the person who's listening, because if the intention is good, like I'm going to tell people, don't watch porn when you're in a relationship. It's not going to help the relationship. It's not going to help you. And I've had people reach out on forums and things and say, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Like it doesn't make a difference. And okay, fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but that's what my experience has been. I have had that experience and it has damaged the relationship before. So I think just being genuine is a great way to begin doing something like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is that, I guess that commonality in life experience and relationships that allows you to articulate, not necessarily as an expert, but I've lived this scenario. I can speak from my personal experience. And I feel like if you give advice from a genuine and, and like understanding and wanting someone to be better in that context, it's, it's kind of easier for them to be like, okay, they're not, you know, just a crock of shit. <laughs> Absolutely. And people let you let you off the hook if you're if you're being upfront and you've got a kind of an even like got a disclaimer you know you don't even need to have a disclaimer but as long as people sense that you're being genuine and, and authentic i think they're willing to let you off the hook if you for example were to say something that um doesn't make a lot of sense to them or is maybe outright wrong you just don't realize it like we're all capable of making mistakes and errors and i feel like recognizing that accepting it and taking it in your stride while you go out there and make this content is essential um because it 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 incapacitates people like yeah. people will not talk about stuff because they're worried they're going to make a mistake but that's okay in my opinion i think you know as long as your just intentions are good people will not uh take it too too hard on you i agree with that i think we live in this odd time in humanity where there's going to be a group of people who completely and utterly agree with everything you say and then the opposite side people are going to be like completely and utterly disgusted or annoyed or pissed off at what you say so either way if you're getting praise and or hate you're probably doing something right <laughs> um to that yeah yeah and i've look i'm lucky because i haven't had a lot of um negative uh comments i haven't had almost any to be honest with you but that that's also worrying to me and in the way that I, I see my own brand. Like look, throughout the process of creating this podcast and this brand, I have recognized how perhaps I'm not speaking about the things that I hold dearest to my heart and I'm trying to maybe create content that is more acceptable, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so the fact that I haven't had a lot of pushback yet is kind of worrying in a, in a way because I recognize that's just part of being, you know, you. That's just part of, 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 of talking about important things that mean things to people because that's where you find the most pushback. If you're, if you're tackling subjects that are heavily linked to someone's identity, not, not to say that I want to be political about things because I think that's where the most pushback comes from. Sure. But, you know, like... Going back to that example about uh, w watching porn within a relationship, that's a very sensitive subject because people use that as, an, as a way to justify 
You know, they might want to justify not being um, sexually active with their partner, and and, they, and so they'll and so they'll they'll fight you about it. And I and I want to tackle subjects like that because those are the ones that matter. It's not the, you know, what I've learned is it's not the the highly popular content where everyone can agree on it. It's the content where you are trying to um, break these paradigms, and and you know to get through it, you're going to have to say things that are very sensitive. I think that's uh, a really good, you know, kind of self perspective for you to kind of think that maybe you need to be going into a little bit more of like, a, I don't want to use the word, you know, uh, consequential or, you know, whatever to, to create kind of that negative and positive feedback loop. But it's, it's nice to think that like you have that internal view that like maybe you need to kind of differ a little bit about the thing that you're doing. So I think that makes sense. Um, one of the questions I have that I've recently kind of dealt with is like one of my good friends, uh, out of a two and a half year relationship just found out that for the duration of her two and a half year relationship, her partner had been basically having a full other relationship with someone else. Um, talk to me about whether you have any personal experience in that type of situation and what you can kind of give as like an advice and or kind of a lesson that this person can kind of take from what's obviously an extremely traumatic and, you know, soul crushing, mind erasing kind of event. Yeah, well, by like having three girlfriends at the same time, I can safely say that. No, I'm joking. I don't have three girlfriends. Uh, Where do you it, find the hours in the day? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, some people do, and it's weird. And I and I look. I get the whole. So l- let's see how I can start this whole subject because it's a full. It's a full conversation. Um, I think that. Men and women are capable of such things, but I think sure. we all know that men are just a lot more likely to engage in these kinds of activities than women. It's just the it's just the statistics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not trying to put you know I I don't want to paint men in a bad light. I think we've gotten enough of that already in the mainstream with all of the social movements that are going on right now. It's very easy to vilify men, and I don't think it's entirely fair. Uh, but what I will say is that um, women are just generally a lot more agreeable. If you look at the kind of stuff that Dr. Jordan Peterson, for example, puts out, um, he's a controversial guy, and I'm aware of that. And I know that there's some haters out there, and 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 and. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that this particular point he makes is very logical and makes sense. It's it's that women are a lot more agreeable in terms of the spectrum of human behavior. Men are a lot more disagreeable. Um, and so we are less likely to let people get away with small red flags and just, you know, um, unsavory behavior, whereas women are a little more likely to stick around when, you know, the man does things that aren't, aren't very nice and fair in a relationship. And I think women are much more likely to kind of just maybe even ignore things that could be potential problems because of their of the way that they operate within relationships. They want to have that stability. They want to have that security. Whereas men are a lot less needy in those areas, a lot less, um, they're more outgoing. Men are predators in a way when it comes to that well, kind like of a sexual desire. Right. It's a biological thing. It's supported by many re- studies and things. I don't want to get into the sure. science of it, but, 
it, it's difficult to manage. Now, that's not an excuse for men at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to lay the foundations here of the argument for why men do this more often than women. Um, I've learned that we are much more likely to have a successful relationship in the sense that we're, there's no infidelity going on. We're communicating correctly. We're not arguing and fighting and we're helping each other more often than we're kind of pulling each other back and down. If we focus on ourselves before we get into a relationship, or if we're in a relationship, we need to make sure we have that time for ourselves so that we don't get lost in someone else and we don't pin our identity on someone else and our own self-worth on someone else. I just read in a Facebook forum this morning because I'm subscribed to these groups where it's all about relationships. I read in this forum this morning, this woman posted images of herself with a big, you know, swollen eye. And her message was, my boyfriend likes to beat me every day, but I stay with him because I love him. And, um, he says he's doing it as a test to see whether I'm willing to put up with his bad behavior. Whoa. And obviously, right, there's no question. There's obviously something that that woman needs to do to 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 get back to center again. She's obviously lost herself. Yeah. She's obviously way, way away from her own, you know, um, valuing herself. Yeah. She's lost her identity. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that's an extreme, by the way, but I'm trying to say that if there's something happening like that in a relationship, I mean, that itself, you know, people who people who know their self-worth, people who are confident, people who are, um, I would say, streetwise are not really going to get into a situation where two years down the line, their partner, they find out their partner's been cheating on them the whole time. Now, that's not to say it would never happen. Sure. Maybe this person's really great at lying and really good at hiding things. Yeah, like, sociopath. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for her. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for her. Like, I feel I feel sad for her, and I hope that she uh, is able to fix things by, you know, moving on. I don't think that's a relationship that I would want to uh, save. But, but yeah, I, I just think that there's a lot of work we need to do on ourselves so that we can see things clearer. And once we start seeing life, life clearer, a lot of these problems solve themselves. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a question of like, so how do I deal with this in a relationship? It's more a question of how do I get into a place where I know that this will never happen to me because I will not let it happen to me. I love that. I think that's like one of the most crucial lessons I've tried to like really figure out um, over the duration of my podcast and the the, the fundamental like issue that I try to figure out is like the amount of self-growth that I have uncovered over the last call it two years has made me leaps and bounds a better human being than I was a decade ago so the question is ultimately could I have learned those lessons at 25 that I've now been able to learn from and enact at 35 or are some of these things that you've got to go through bad relationships, getting cheated on, getting fired from a job, yada, yada, yada. Are these life events only things that can be attributed to time? And I think fundamentally that I would love to be able to say like, yeah, at 25, I could have done these things, but knowing that the experiences over the last decade have kind of brought me to that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, 
I think it's very it's very empowering to say that I can choose when I want to change. Hmm. And to a certain degree, I think it's possible. Like I, I, I don't believe in destiny, for example. So That's I always think, you know, there's a choice there to ha- have had. Some people think there's no choice. Some people think that we're on a, a, like a predetermined course and whatever we think is choice is actually just our programmed kind of life, you know, path. Um, I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows, but, yeah. but I'd like to think that, you know, for example, I could choose to get up and leave this conversation, not that I want to, but right. you know what I mean? Like yeah. there, there's, there's always that choice. Um, but I do agree with you that there are things that are, you know, they present themselves at the time. And if we take that lesson, um, you know, we learn, we change, but if we don't, we, we, we are kind of cursed to repeat that until we are ready to accept it and i i've learned a lot again um through through my relationships and the failures that i've had i I look back at them and i wonder you know could i have made a different choice back then And, and the answer is always no because that was what i needed to experience at that point in my life um that's that was the catalyst for me to actually become who I am today. So I don't regret anything. I think if you do truly believe that you could have made a different choice back then, um, or you should have made a different choice, you could have made a different choice, but if you should have made a different choice back then, that's going to be pretty harmful for you because that's going to generate a lot of uh, regret. And mm-hmm. regret is, is definitely something that you want to I could not possibly more unequivocally agree with everything that you just said anymore. Um, I think that's what the point of life is. I think being able to find yourself, whether it's at 25 or 35, is a, a you know a, a, a cause of what transpires leading up to that point. And um, I'm, I, I agree. I, I think that's a, an important thing to understand because it doesn't matter when you kind of figure it out, right? Whether it's relationship-wise or life-wise or work-wise, it doesn't matter when that catalyst happens. It's just a matter of what you do with it, right? So like if at 25, I learned XYZ, if I don't enact the the lesson at that time, it's irrelevant. Um, so I, I'm, I'm in, a, in full agreement with you. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure too. I mean, like, you know, from, from popular culture, uh, there's a lot of pressure on people to live a certain type of life and have a certain level of relative success, whether it's financial mm-hmm. or, you know, if it's like being famous, I think fame is a, is a, is a terrible thing to, to anchor your self worth on oh, yeah. because so it's so subjective and it's so, it's actually, I think it's just really misunderstood. And I do believe that a, a lot of, from what I've heard and from what I've seen, I do believe a lot of people that actually do end up getting fame or financial success in the in the ways that popular culture kind of demands don't end up happier mm-hmm. or more fulfilled than those who who aren't as successful. Absolutely. So, you know, we need to be about that. Yeah, I think there's like actual data-driven scientific reporting that articulates there's some paper that I read in the Wall Street Journal a number of years ago that said every dollar over $75,000 a year in US median income doesn't generate that uh, identical percentage increase in happiness, right? It's just the old nice. more money, more problems kind of thing. And I think additionally, everyone wants to go viral. Everyone wants to have a million Instagram followers, but the pressure and all of the 
baggage that comes along with that is something that people are probably not prepared for. I mean, I, uh, I went viral a few years ago for an article I wrote about why chivalry is dead from a man's perspective. I wrote it for Elite Daily and it was viral. It was a million likes on Facebook. I got interviewed by Cosmopolitan and I did all these like really cool things. I think I read that. <laughs> nice, thanks. No, I'm serious. I think I remember that title. I recently I reread the article and I was mortified. I mean, this is like the musings <laughs> of a 25-year-old who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And I think the the <laughs> the ultimate like the the intention behind what I was saying was in the hookup culture in which we live in, it's incumbent upon women to make men be sort of like be responsible for their actions. Like if if they realize that they maintain 95% of the power dynamic in a relationship and they can kind of steer this however they want. We wouldn't be in the situation where it's like, Hey, let's not get drinks. Let's just come over and have sex. Right. So it's, that's, I think what the intentionality was behind it. But to what I was ultimately trying to say was like, you know, I wasn't prepared for what was going to happen then. And like, it was what I wanted at the time. I wanted to be a writer on the internet. I wanted to have, you know, a million people like something that I did. And I was fully incapable of being prepared for what that lesson was. Now I have done additional self-worth work and understand that if something that I'm doing gains the respect and or adoration and or hate, I'm prepared for it. So I think it's it's mm-hmm. it's something contextually to that timing in your life and and that whole kind of situation. I mean, you could you could use that, but that's a great title, though. I mean, I'm not surprised you got a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. traction. And, and obviously, the article is what what's the main reason for it. But I'm saying, like, you could even say that and then argue for chivalry. I mean, yeah. it's the it's a kind of a really great title. So good job on that. But. Uh, just, just you know, here, I'll tell you something, man. I'm in Medellin in Colombia right now. Now, if you know anything about Medellin, you'll already understand there's probably a reason why a guy would go to Medellin, yeah. right? It's, it's very, very, very straightforward. One, it's, the top, it's in the top three cities in the world for beautiful-looking women. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not to say I'm here for that, but I do find it nice that everywhere I look, there's always someone incredibly attractive walking past. Um, and I'm in, I'm in a relationship, by the way, so just want to give that disclaimer that <laughs> I actually am with someone and being faithful. It's, uh, But I want to tell you something, man. There is a whole class of men that seems to be growing and growing with, let's call it, popular culture the shifts in popular culture and and trends in in our and our in our behavior there's a growing class of men who are seeing destinations like medellin um in developing countries with very you know attractive women um and and just low regulations or uh you know kind of no real i i would say no real western structures in place where you know you've kind of you know, you've got to behave, right? You've got to be a, an upstanding citizen to, to get along in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a stark contrast from, let's say, living in a place like New York, right? right? You're not going to be able to get away with half the shit that you do in Medellin, in New York. Um, and, and this growing class of men are convincing themselves, like I did for a long time, and I'll get into that in a second, they're convincing themselves that it is acceptable to 
take advantage of low-income earning women who are obviously a lot more attractive than perhaps the women that they would be accessible to them in countries where they're they're not in such a situation where they're dependent on maybe finding someone who can help them out of poverty. Um, and so they come here and they get away with being assholes mm-hmm. or, you know, dickheads. And, and they'll, they'll do a thing like, I, I'm not going to mention any names, but, and, I, and I'm friends with these, some of these people because they are genuinely fun, interesting guys, but they just, they're a bit warped in some of their views. And I'm trying to be empathetic to them because I also went through that at some point in my life, but they'll, they'll get away with negotiating rules within the relationship where they can, you know, go and sleep with as many women as they want, but they are always going to be able to come back to that one woman. That sounds awful and terrible, right? Especially for women, it sounds awful and terrible. Yeah. Um, but it's like, well, what's that woman going to do? I mean, it. first of all, it goes to show what the situation is on the ground because I don't think that would ever really happen in, in, in other countries. You know, it definitely wouldn't happen in the UK. Yeah, uh, but I would it say also, definitely not in the U.S. either. Yeah, definitely not in the U.K. I mean, it does, right? To a certain like, there'll there'll be cases where that's something that happens, and I mean, even the woman might be the one who's kind of negotiating it, right? It, it, there's 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 a lot of wild cards out there, but I say in general, it's not something aspirational. It's not it's not helping anyone, right? It's not helping you grow as an individual because you're yep. you're corroding corroding and corrupting your own ethics and morals. And that's going to have an impact on all areas of your life. You're going to want to try to figure out how to get, you know, free stuff or whatever in other areas too and get away with stuff. Um, at least that's what happened with me. But it also shows how women like you to, this is why I'm saying it. I'm coming full circle to what you said about women um, needing to take more of a an active approach to managing the expectations in a relationship and, and being assertive and strong. It goes to show a lot about what women are willing to put up with because that's pretty degrading stuff, you oh, know, yeah. for anyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, like, societal issues aside and, like, financial issues aside, like, when you're brought into a scenario where you have a very lopsided power dynamic within a relationship where if in this scenario you're the woman who's dealing with a piece of shit in essence <laughs> who's just doing whatever the hell they want there are a, a litany of like psychological issues that are playing at hand here right like she's got father issues or you know whatever there, there are like ingrained innate issues but there is also like the societal pressures that go along with a lot of this too because so much of our lives have been sort of like not regimented but like put in place for us so it's like well i gotta do well in high school to go to a good college to meet the girl in college so that we can get married by 25 and have a white picket fence and this kid and the kids and the schools so there are all these pressures that will first you know for some people allow them to accept a lot less than what they're actually worth. And it's tragic in a lot mm-hmm. of cases because none of those situations ever work out. And then it is just a clock, right? Like how long can they spend in this scenario, which is not healthy, not beneficial in any way before they realize their own self-worth that they can then turn that switch off and be like, I'm fucking out of here. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's essentially what, what, what it all boils down to because time really is the most valuable thing that you, you actually have in your life. And, you know, the, I, I, w- I would say, yeah, it's it's not something that you can fix mm. uh, easily. Yeah. 
And so the question becomes like, how how long is it going to take, like you said, to to recognize that this is probably something you should walk away from? You know, try, but uh, try quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, try things fast and don't let it drag on. That was my mistake that I made with my, uh, well, I, I, I didn't suffer from this particular issue with, uh, with any but one of my uh, ex-girlfriends. And uh, I was the perpetrator. I was the one who was making the rules. Um, and I didn't realize what I was doing. Mm. I, would, I had tricked myself into thinking it was acceptable, which is why I fell into this class of men at that time. And I want to talk more about this in the content that I create because I think it's so important for men to take responsibility for their actions in relationships, even if especially so when their partner is agreeable because, you know, women are, a lot of women are willing to, like I said, uh, let things happen that aren't in their best interest in the chance that perhaps it's just a phase. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's just something that, you know, they're going to grow out of. And I don't think that it ever works that way. I think as soon as you give the man the, uh, the, the signal that that's acceptable, like they're going to find the next thing. It's just a natural, you know, it's even with women, it's not just a male problem. Like I, I was in a relationship with a, a, a narcissistic woman and then she wasn't clinically diagnosed narcissistic, but all of the things that she did kind of led to that conclusion. You know, she would always talk about herself. She'd never ask me how I was. She, everything would be about her. Um, and uh, she would lie, cheat. Um, and, 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 you know, she, she even hit me, uh, you know, uh, be, beat me up one time. Right. I mean, wow. I didn't, I couldn't do anything. I didn't want to, you know, retaliate or anything. And it was just a weird experience and really scary. And so, uh, I, but I let her get away with one thing. So she would then do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I would let her get with that because I really loved this woman, you know, and I wanted it to work out. She was, she was just such fun to be with. She was drop dead gorgeous. She, she just seemed to trigger all the chemistry within me. And I felt like we had this amazing chemistry, amazing love life, but everything else was just shit. Chaos. Like there was no responsibility. There was no trust. Mm-hmm. And my whole life was this roller coaster. And I looked back at the relationship where I was that person. I wasn't hitting her or anything like that, but I was, you know, essentially cheating on her because she had let me get away with, you know, this relationship that was open. By the way, I don't think open relationships are, are going to work at all. Like I, I've tried it. I agree. I've, I've had friends try it. I've seen people who talk about it. I think they work only for a very small fraction of people, and I think they probably even only work within, let's say, uh, marriages. I think uh, that's where you're going to find something that might work. Because you've got that foundation mm-hmm. and you've got that understanding and maybe you have children or whatever. Yeah, there needs like, to be you're anchors. Kind of yeah, there has to be yeah, anchors. Yeah, there's an anchor. Yeah. You're done. You're not going to want to do the whole thing again. And But, you know, a bit of fun here and there might not be a bad idea. I don't I don't say anything against, against that. I had a woman come on the show who's married with someone and they have an open relationship and they've got kids and it works for them. So, you know, all the power to you. But I think if you're dating someone and you're young, Open relationships is really just a kind of a code word for, I'm not really sure yet whether you're the one. 100%. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I think um, I think 
I think men uh, and women need to just do a lot better at, at, at being more responsible about their own actions and what they're willing to let people get away with. I, I, I fundamentally to my core completely agree with that. I mean, it's, it, it, I similarly was in a, a very toxic relationship in my 20s that was very chemistry focused which allowed me to give like leeway for her to treat me like shit. Um, and it was just a very, 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 very poor relationship. And I still have trust issues to this day because of it. Like there are positives that I've been able to now, you know, a decade later pull out of the relationship, like things that are warning signs and red flags and like lessons that I pulled out from a, a not great situation. But at the time, I was like, I'm never going to find this chemistry again. I'm never going to have this level of attraction to a human being again. And again, this is the the the, the lesson that I'm trying to figure out, or, or at least trying to echo to a younger generation, is that maybe you can't learn that until you go through it. But the, the falsehood that I explained to myself that I'm never going to feel this chemistry with another person again was just flatly untrue. Like you will always have a spark with someone. You will always find that physical attraction to another human being. It's biological. And I had yes. convinced myself that it was beyond biological. This was my soulmate. This is my person. So I can allow her to treat me like shit. And it was a very, very tough lesson, but one that I'm obviously grateful for now. Um, that's sure. what the I mean, those, those prospect of time. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you made a really, really good point there like soulmates and this whole larger than life experience they're they're they are symptoms i think of a lack of self not just self-worth but also self-awareness mm. like because okay if i say that there's one person out there who's going to complete me i already i've already lost yeah i've already lost the game because if that person rejects me, I'm fucked. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, but like that. That's okay. I'm, I'm just I, you're fucked. If I if I can't, <laughs> yeah. It, it, and I did that too with that woman. That was what happened with me and her. I was like, I got to make this work. I got to make it work because she's the one for me. But it was so terrible. And and you know what? That's the funny thing. The ones that seem to be the soulmates can t tend to be the ones that feel or are the worst for us. Oh yeah. And, and I, and I have a theory for that. I think the theory is we get hung up on chemistry. Chemistry is a really bad predictor of long-term relationship success because there's a difference between chemistry and, uh, connection. Uh, right. So I would say connection is, um, okay. Do we agree on things Have we got the same values? Are we going in the same direction? You know, like, can I see this woman raising my kids properly? Can I see this man raising my children properly? Um, chemistry is more like, are there explosions when we have sex? Mm -hmm. Are there explosions when we go and hang out in the bar? Um, can we talk about like movies all day long? I mean, that's kind of like chemistry. So, but it's eating. It's not a long-term um, ingredient. It's more like a kind of like in the spur of the moment ingredient. And you can have both. You can have a high chemistry, high connection relationship, although they're much, I think they're much less common. Um, but I think, you know, we, Hollywood and, and, and social media, especially social media now, it's no longer really a Hollywood machine. It's like, what do we see on Instagram? What do we see on YouTube? I think they all really push so hard for the very short term 
gra- instant gratification, which is essentially what this is, is it, chemistry is like an instant gratification. It's like if I spend time with this person right now, I know I'm going to have a great time. Like that's not sustainable. You, you, you can't be expected to have a great time with your partner all the time that you're together with them. Yeah. You're going to fucking hate each other yeah. right? at some point. Yeah. You're going to want to have space. You're going to want to set boundaries. You're going to, it's going to be difficult. Relationships are not supposed to be super fun, super exciting. They're actually supposed to be like vehicles for security, for structure, for allowing us to be productive and valuable to the community. They are designed to build a strong community uh, where you raise children properly and you create the next generation. That's what, you know, marriage was created for it was to help us do that so that we could survive and thrive and i and i mean i don't want to get into like a lot of detail here but we're moving in the direction of individualism where um there's a lot of left progressive um ideologies that are being pushed in developing nations and i think what's actually happening and i don't think this is the goal but i think what's happening as a byproduct is it's kind of eroding our conservative values and the community is suffering as a result because now instead of saying what's best for my community, what's best for the people around me, we're moving more towards what's best for me as an individual. Like how can I live my life and be happier and more fulfilled as an individual? And I think that that shift in focus is, is like an, it's imbalanced right now. And I think we need to pull it back to center a little bit so that we can, we can have more success with our long-term relationships and community. I think I agree with that. I think that there's a fundamental sickness associated with like social media, right? Like we are unhealthily reliant upon that dopamine fix. And I think when you start looking at like your social circle of friends and family, whether it's extended through high school, college, whatever that social circle looks like, that construct online greatly impacts the things that you think that you may or may not be missing out on. And I think when I was in my early 20s, like every single person I know was in a relationship, they all got married. And for like 99% of them, they're all still together today. And like, I'm grateful that all my friends are in like these extremely healthy long term relationships. I don't think it's indicative of the greater population as a whole. I think, you know, divorce rates are still hovering around 58%. But I think that when you look through the lens of social media, it's very easy for you to feel like I'm doing something wrong. I shouldn't be single. Mm -hmm. I need to latch on to this person, place or thing and make it work because that's what everyone else is doing. And I think fundamentally agree with what you said, because it is that individualistic mentality that is causing us the greatest harm. I think I agree. Okay. Yeah. Well, 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 it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy that, I, I can't see how the divorce rate is going to improve if this is the trajectory that we're on. I think it's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah. Um, now, look, a lot of arguments as to why marriage isn't necessary. And I spoke, with, I mean, even having kids to the point where you don't, you know, like you get a lot of pressure from your parents. Okay. When are you going to meet the next person? When am I going to get grandchildren? Yeah. I totally understand that. It's cute. And I, and I appreciate it. But like, I think there's some arguments to be made for, well, maybe we don't have to live those traditional lifestyles anymore. Maybe we don't need to get married. Maybe we don't have to have kids. There, there shouldn't need to be a, 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 a contract in place, yeah, right? A legit uh, legal mechanism. <laughs> 
that defines yes. the relationship. Uh, and, 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 and especially so if it's like, if it's related to the church, I think a lot of people have got just a bad taste for religion. And I understand that too. Totally. Um, I'm not religious as a person, but I think, and this is an interesting subject, I think having studied you know, what we briefly touched on, which was, well, what makes a strong, what makes a community strong? I think a lot of traditional values that are covered, you know, in the Christian tradition, in the Christian religion are powerful for, you know, making sure we don't fuck up, making sure that we're always on track. Yeah, accountable. And, and, and I would say that a lot, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't good. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the teachings in the Bible are pretty dated and we need to, you know, move on and, and recognize them for what they are. It's a very complex subject. I think religion is a very com- um, complex subject. And so we need to have empathy with both sides. We need to have empathy with the progressives and say, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, we, we're, we're pretty intelligent these days and we don't need to, you know, t- t- tell ourselves these mythological tales to be able to be good people. <laughs> yeah. But I think on the other hand, too, there's the, the hardcore religious traditionalists that are fighting for structure. They're fighting for order. And although a lot of it may be uh, hard to swallow, I get it. I understand that that's something that we actually need to um, keep feeding ourselves. You know, I think what you just said is is crucially important because in that statement that you just made, it is a rationality and a willingness to look at two sides to an argument and unfortunately we are in a society in a time and age where that is not common anymore people are no longer willing to flex or bend and learn and fundamentally that really filters into a lot of our lives whether it's online whether it's in our relationships whether it's our workplace and it's uh it's it's to a detriment for sure um yeah i think that's do you a, think that uh, i mean you know like you you have conversations with a lot of people i, I saw that you've got a, a long list of uh of guests and i mean this is a great platform right podcasting is essentially i think it's all about communication uh it's all about listening and Mm -hmm. speaking and doing it in a way that is balanced uh what what have you i mean what have you learned along the way from your experiences with podcasting and talking to such a wide variety of people i think it is almost immeasurable for me to articulate the amount of things that I've learned, Um, whether it is having conversations with a priest about religion and religious constructs and my relationship to religion, whether it's having a conversation with a famous photographer about imposter syndrome and the relatability that we both experience in our, our craft, whether it's speaking with a gentleman in his 50s who's been battling cancer for a decade. I, I think the amount of conversational lessons that I've learned, the amount of life lessons that I've learned has been the single catalyst for doing the podcast. I think these conversations have informed my self-growth in a way that I could not possibly have expected and or planned for. And I think it is the I, I I made a joke initially on like maybe like my fifth or sixth episode with a guest where I was like that was like a therapy session and I think what the number one thing that I've been able to take from these conversations is the that we live such a relatable experience and it may not be uh, visually seen that way online 
right? So much of our lives are played out on a three by five screen in our pocket. And the, the commonality that we all experience in having loss, regret, love, heartbreak, happiness doesn't get talked about enough. And again, fundamentally, it facilitates through the core premise of, of were these things I could have learned a decade ago? And I've I've come to the realization that I don't think they are. So that my hope now moving forward is to take all of these wonderful things that I've learned and try to impart them onto people that are 10 years younger than me, 15 years younger than me. I mean, it is truly the greatest gift that I've been given was my decision to start this podcast. Like I, I could not be any luckier or any more blessed um, to be here having this conversation with you and everyone else who I will additionally continue to have these conversations with because the barrier to entry is low, but we were strangers up until an hour ago. And now, you know, I have a cheesy yeah. line that, you know, now you're part of my family because we just spent like an hour therapy session together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I, I think you're, you're right. It's funny, isn't it? How, you know, you don't know anything about somebody mm-hmm. until you start talking to them. It's all about the communication and it's about the willingness to give someone a break. Like if you can give someone a break, even if you know there's something about them that just isn't sitting well with you, if you can give them a break because everyone's got their own you know, history, everyone's got their own challenges in life, you'll probably find that there's a lot more that you have in common with that person than you don't. Mm-hmm. And you'll start to understand more about why perhaps they're doing the things they're doing or they think the way they think. And it'll help you kind of empathize with them. It'll help you realize, well, I guess they've kind of got a point then. I mean, I, I can understand that even if I don't agree with it. And this is fundamentally where I believe a lot of the problems that we're experiencing right now come from is that inability to give someone a break, Mm -hmm. that inability to see beyond what we're initially presented with. Look, someone told me once, if you knew everything about your partner, if you knew their entire history, if you knew everything they'd ever thought, everything they'd ever done, you probably wouldn't want to be with them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, we're all flawed. We've all had these weird experiences and thoughts and actions and done terrible things and learned from it. It's like, just give him a break, give someone a break and you'll change your life. If you are able to see beyond the instant, uh, uh, appearance of whatever they're putting on Instagram or whatever, uh, whatever they're saying politically, it's like, yeah, let's get along with each other. Yeah. I, I, but again, like we're asking for such small things that in the context of the society that we live in now feel like monumental ass. It's, it's, it's alarming. I, I, among the many, uh, iter, uh, ideas that I, you know, are, you know, muse on is like episode in and episode out. It's truly the most exhausting time in human history to be alive. There is no break. There is no it's on all the time. There, there's arguments to be had about everything. And there's never, yeah, yeah. Things are just going so fast. Yeah, it seems like they're, they're going faster and faster. I mean, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm 38. So when I was growing up, you know, in the, the late 80s and the 90s as a young, as a kid, basically, I, I had no worries in the world. I mean, everyone as a kid probably goes through that. I mean, most people do. Um, but, 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 but I, so therefore I understand like with social media, there's always something with email. There's always something, the internet and things have changed so much. And we've, we've kind of evolved to the point where we're like ants now 
were were really like worker ants. Mm. Well, you know, remember back in a, I mean, not remember, but we we know that in like in in certain uh, generations, like the baby boomer generation, uh, they had that whole kind of. You could look at it as a fake reality of the picket white picket fence, yeah, um, uh, collar job. Uh, uh, you know, one uh, one household was supported by the man's wage. So they would go to work at, let's say, the Ford Motor Company in the U.S., and they would be paid, you know, four times as much as a Ford employee is paid today. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think your Schiff reported recently in his podcast, and it's it 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 just shows you it. Well, I mean, there's a lot of changes that have happened in that industry, but it, and it, obviously in the economies as well. But it just shows you how different life was to be able to just comfortably afford buying a home, having a car, having kids. And a, and, a, and a wife or, you know, and it, obviously this was just the way life life was in America at that time. But being able to afford all of that on just the wage of, of a guy working at a car uh, company, uh, shift forward to today and you've got like three jobs. Um, you, you're still struggling. You're in debt. Um, and it's it's a, just a very different lifestyle. You're not, you know, eating high quality food anymore. So I get it. Like there's, there's a lot of stress out there. Uh, but, but 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 let me let me say this, and I'm not sure if this is something that we can close it on. But let me just say this: I firmly stand behind the advice of find out what your why is. You've heard that before somewhere, probably somewhere like Stephen uh, Simon Sinek's book. Um, find find your why. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's everything. Why am I in this relationship? Why am I doing this line of work? Why am I experiencing this amount of stress every day? Why am I unhappy with X, Y, Z? If you can find out why, you can start to understand what the solution is. Now, uh, essentially, the, the overall picture is why am I existing? That's the ultimate question because everything else is trivial. Everything else is a part of that one big question, why am I existing? Mm-hmm. My existence is I want to help people. I want to have a better uh, – I want to leave the world a better place before I, I, I go and um, I can work back from that like okay so how do I do that like so what do I want to get involved with then if I know that that's my why and so I would say look uh, if you can spend some time I know that we're busy and we have uh, things to worry about kids feeding ourselves whatever but if you can just spend some time figure that out you'll be able to craft the kind of life that makes you happy and gets you fulfilled and you won't regret later. So, yeah. That is a, a tremendous place um, to kind of lead off. I couldn't possibly agree with you more. Um, I, I think I am living the life that I had always hoped for. I never really thought I'd be able to get here. And uh, I think I'm lucky in that regards. Um, I like to spend the last couple minutes of every podcast just doing some little quick rapid fire questions. Just, you know, you could kind of dive into how deep or how quick you want. But my first question for you is what's your favorite book? Uh, wow. That's a good one. Uh, that's a lot. Um, I would say, well, what's my, what's the one that's made the most impact on me to date? I really liked principles by Ray Dalio principles by Ray Dalio. It's a big book. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's pretty thick. Um, there's two sides to it. So the latter half of the book is professional principles. 
And the former half of the book is life, uh, personal life principles. Principles from a guy who helped build one of the largest uh, fund management companies in, in history. And Ray is a really methodical, uh, logical guy. So this book is all about figuring out principles that you can use to navigate any single situation that happens to you in life. Now, I don't really know the book inside out. I, I remember reading it a couple of times, so I'm no expert on the subject. But those principles in there and the way that he thinks, it really helps you understand, like, how do I make better decisions? How do I tackle life in a more efficient way? And it kind of comes back to what we were saying before. Could I have made a better choice? Well, if you read this book and you really follow the advice in it, I think you can. Hmm. For example, one of the principles has helped me a lot because I'm very emotional and I'm a very spontaneous guy. So I kind of act on those emotions and that spontaneity more than I should. Um, one of the principles is if you don't know what to do, speak to four of your most respectable, credible friends. Like look at their past. Do they make decisions correctly? Do they usually, uh, are they happy? Do they not regret things? Talk to them, ask them what they think. If three out of four tell you to do one thing, do that one thing hmm. because they're probably – sometimes we just don't know. I like so that. We have to use other people's – I like that. I'm going to put that on my Amazon card as soon as we get off the line. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh, man. Well, I write, I'm writing a script right now with someone that I actually interviewed a long time ago for my podcast. Um, on a on a true story and i'm an i'm a cinephile i really love movies me too i've loved them my entire life to pick one would be impossible uh so again i think well we watched the shawshank redemption my girlfriend and i the other day and i love it it's one of the best movies i've ever seen and you know uh it's just such a nice story about uh someone who has not given away their identity no matter what happens to them and there's a power in that there's Mm -hmm. a power in recognizing that we have control no matter what and as long as we're good i think that's something we're fighting for so um so that's a great movie i also i mean if you want to come at it from a different perspective i also really like american history acts i think that's a great movie too yeah Uh, it's uh, you know I like movies that teach us lessons you yeah. know and I think every movie should teach you a lesson but it's the that that lesson and it, you know it's it's kind of like wrapped in racism but it's really about what we've talked about today which is give people a break try to understand where they're coming from and mm-hmm. you can make friends from the worst enemies you know uh, so that's another one and and I love Marvel movies I, I like action I like horror I like I like a bunch of stuff um, I'm with you I see everything I'm kind of getting a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I watch. I watch as much as I can. Um, I, I get I get bored easily of like Marvel now. Uh, even though I grew up with comic books, I still like to see them because I get excited about it. Um, I'm excited about the new Batman movie coming out. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. Looks dark. Uh, it looks dark. It's 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 not a kids movie. <laughs> I think so. I'm going to be I'm gonna enjoy it. <laughs> what uh, What's your favorite food? My favorite food, I think, you know, okay, let's tackle it from healthy and unhealthy. I like pizza and (laughs) pizza is my favorite unhealthy food. You can put anything on it uh, and it usually tastes great. 
Uh, I like Hawaiians, so that's pretty oh, controversial no. right there. No. I like to have apple on my <laughs> oh, uh, I'm, I'm 100% uh, Italian. That just like broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, I don't know how it happened, but I just I just seem to like the it's flavor. It's the sweet of that. and the savory. Um, it's understandable. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, one of my other favorite dishes is uh, is sweet and sour. So you know, it's I just I like mixing that stuff together. Um, on the healthy side, I think my favorite uh, my favorite healthy food is avocado. Man, it, it's, yeah. it never fails. Yeah, I put I it love on it. everything. It's, it's, yeah, I have an avocado yeah. addiction for sure. That's understandable. <laughs> well, you can come to Colombia, bro, because that's the national. Food. Nice. Yeah, I think I'd get myself so in trouble that. there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> everyone, do you believe in an afterlife? Uh, yes, I do. I just have no idea what it looks like or or feels like. I mean, I have my theories about it. Um, I don't think it's a a, a guy in the sky who's <laughs> gonna open door for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I. I do believe that whatever we're experiencing right now is really just one, you know, one dimension of, uh, of, of what actually exists out there. Well, not one dimension, you know what I mean? Like there's a bunch of dimensions, but I think there's more dimensions. I think that when we die, our energy moves on and does something else. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we get reincarnated as another form. Maybe it's not human. Maybe it's, you know, I'm, I also believe there's aliens out there. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of shit coming out right now. Totally. You know, that kind of suggests that perhaps there are. Um, I, I agree. Um, what is the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? Hmm. My father said to me, you know, so my father uh, is a very successful business person and um, very lucky to have him. Uh, we've had a terrible relationship because he's been a workaholic and um, he's an Asian guy. So he used to have an Asian teaching method and parenting method, which sucks, mm-hmm. uh, but I get it. And, and so, but, but I asked him and I, I genuinely open to what he, what he suggested because I rarely listened to my father growing up, which is one of my problems. And he said, I said to him, dad, you, you almost went bankrupt like seven times um, during the 2007, 2008 financial crisis, I said, how the hell did you deal with that? Cause it must've been backbreaking for you. Cause you had investments in a bunch of properties, you know, like millions of dollars of leverage from bank loans. And he was pretty much just losing it. I remember, but he came back from it and I asked him, how did you do it? And he said, whatever it is that you fear in life, dive into it head first, just fucking go straight for it. Because the longer you, and he didn't say this next part, but the reason why I said that was because the longer you avoid the things you're scared of, the more control they're going to take from you. You're mm-hmm. going to find new ways of avoiding them. You're going to craft your life around their absent lifestyle and you're not going to develop the skills and the strengths that you need. And those problems are going to feed their way into other areas of your life. So if you have a problem with talking to women, for example, just fucking go and start talking to women and you'll know, you'll see straight away that the fears you had were just ridiculous. They were just lies. You told yourself Mm -hmm. about your own self worth. And so it's the same with anything. I think uh, the more you fear something, the more you're actually going to need to go and dive into that to, to have a better life. 
I think that's a, an incredible perspective and uh, a great place to uh, to end the podcast. Uh, Clement, thank you so much for coming on today. I uh, am greatly appreciative of the uh, the time we spent today, and I, I really, really enjoyed our conversation and uh, look forward to uh, chatting again with you soon. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. No problem.